Chapter Seven of Book Six of Toilers of the Sea, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Adams. Toilers of the Sea, Part One. Sieur Clubin by Victor Hugo, translated by W. Moy Thomas. Book Six: The Drunken Steersman and the Sober Captain. Chapter Seven: An Unexpected Denouement. Clubin, haggard, stared straight ahead. It was indeed those terrible and solitary rocks. It was impossible to mistake their misshapen outlines. The two twin douvres reared their forms aloft, hideously revealing the passage between them, like a snare, a cutthroat in ambush in the ocean. They were quite close to him. The fog, like an artful accomplice, had hidden them until now. Clubin had mistaken his course in the dense mist. Notwithstanding all his pains, he had experienced the fate of two other great navigators, Gonzales, who discovered Cape Blanco, and Fernandez, who discovered Cape Verde. The fog had bewildered him. It had seemed to him, in the confidence of his seamanship, to favour admirably the execution of his project, but it had its perils. In veering to westward he had lost his reckoning. The Guernsey man, who fancied that he recognised the handways, had decided his fate, and determined him to give the final turn to the tiller. Clubin had never doubted that he had steered the vessel on the handways. The Durande, stove in by one of the sunken rocks of the group, was only separated from the two Douvres by a few cables' lengths. At two hundred fathoms further was a massive block of granite. Upon the steep sides of this rock were some hollows and small projections which might help a man to climb. The square corners of those rude walls at right angles indicated the existence of a plateau on the summit. It was the height known by the name of the Man. The Man Rock rose even higher still than the Douvre. Its platform commanded a view over their two inaccessible peaks. This platform, crumbling at its edges, had every kind of irregularity of shape. No place more desolate or more dangerous could be imagined. The hardly perceptible waves of the open sea lapped gently against the square sides of that dark, enormous mass, a sort of rest-place for the vast spectres of the sea and a darkness. All around was calm, scarcely a breath of air or a ripple. The mind guessed darkly the hidden life and vastness of the depths beneath that quiet surface. Clubin had often seen the Douvre from afar. He satisfied himself that he was indeed there. He could not doubt it. A sudden and hideous change of affairs. The Douvre, instead of the Hanways, instead of one mile, five leagues of sea! The Douvre to the solitary shipwrecked sailor is the visible and palpable presence of death, the extinction of all hope of reaching land. Clubin shuddered. He had placed himself voluntarily in the jaws of destruction. No other refuge was left to him than the man-rock. It was probable that a tempest would arise in the night, and that the long-boat, overloaded as she was, would sink. 
no news of the shipwreck then would come to land it would not even be known that clubin had been left upon the douvre no prospect was now before him but death from cold and hunger his seventy-five thousand francs would not purchase him a mouthful of bread all the scaffolding he had built up had brought him only to this snare he alone was the laborious architect of this crowning catastrophe no resource no possible escape his triumph transformed into a fatal precipice instead of deliverance a prison instead of the long prosperous future agony in the glance of an eye in the moment which the lightning occupies in passing all his construction had fallen into ruins the paradise dreamed of by this demon had changed to its true form of a sepulchre meanwhile there had sprung up a movement in the air the wind was rising the fog shaken driven in and rent asunder moved towards the horizon in vast shapeless masses as quickly as it had disappeared before the sea became once more visible the cattle more and more invaded by the waters continued to bellow in the hold night was approaching probably bringing with it a storm the durande filling slowly with the rising tide swung from right to left then from left to right and began to turn upon the rock as upon a pivot the moment could be foreseen when a wave must move her from her fixed position and probably roll her over on her beam ends it was not even so dark as at the instant of her striking the rocks though the day was more advanced it was possible to see more clearly the fog had carried away with it some part of the darkness the west was without a cloud twilight brings a pale sky its vast reflection glimmered on the sea the durande's bows were lower than her stern her stern was in fact almost out of the water clubin mounted on the taffrail and fixed his eyes on the horizon it is the nature of hypocrisy to be sanguine the hypocrite is one who waits his opportunity hypocrisy is nothing in fact but a horrible hopefulness the very foundation of its revolting falsehood is composed of that virtue transformed into a vice strange contradiction there is a certain trustfulness in hypocrisy the hypocrite confides in some power unrevealed even to himself which permits the course of evil clubin looked far and wide over the ocean the position was desperate but that evil spirit did not yet despair he knew that after the fog vessels that had been lying to or riding at anchor would resume their course and he thought that perhaps one would pass within the horizon and as he had anticipated a sail appeared she was coming from the east and steering towards the west as it approached the cut of the vessel became visible it had but one mast and was schooner rigged her bowsprit was almost horizontal it was a cutter before a half hour she must pass not very far from the douvre clubin said within himself i am saved in a moment like this a man thinks at first of nothing but his life the cutter was probably a strange craft might it not be one of the smuggling vessels on its way to Plemont? it might even be blasquito himself 
In that case, not only life but fortune would be saved, and the accident of the Douvre, by hastening the conclusion, by dispensing with the necessity for concealment in the haunted house, and by bringing the adventure to a denouement at sea, would be turned into a happy incident. All his original confidence of success returned fanatically to his sombre mind. It is remarkable how easily knaves are persuaded that they deserve to succeed. There was but one course to take. The Durande, entangled among the rocks, necessarily mingled her outline with them, and confounded herself with their irregular shapes, among which she formed only one more mass of lines. Thus become indistinct and lost, she would not suffice, in the little light which remained, to attract the attention of the crew of the vessel which was approaching but a human form standing up black against the pale twilight of the sky upon the man-rock and making signs of distress would doubtless be perceived and the cutter would then send a boat to take the shipwrecked man aboard the man was only two hundred fathoms off to reach it by swimming was simple to climb it easy there was not a minute to lose the bows of the durande being low between the rocks it was from the height of the poop where clubin stood that he had to jump into the sea he began by taking a sounding and discovered that there was great depth just under the stern of the wrecked vessel the microscopic shells of foraminifera which the adhesive matter on the lead line brought up were intact indicating the presence of very hollow caves under the rocks in which the water was tranquil however great the agitation of the surface he undressed leaving his clothing on the deck he knew that he would be able to get clothing when aboard the cutter he retained nothing but his leather belt as soon as he was stripped he placed his hand upon this belt buckled it more securely felt for the iron tobacco-box took a rapid survey in the direction which he would have to follow among the breakers and the waves to gain the man-rock then precipitating himself head first he plunged into the sea as he dived from a height he plunged heavily he sank deep in the water touched the bottom, skirted for a moment the submarine rocks, then struck out to regain the surface. At that moment he felt himself seized by one foot. End of chapter 7 of Book 6 Recording by Paul Adams, www.yawnguy.com